This podcast is brought to you by Ideate and Execute. Do you want to drive innovation in your organization, futurize your enterprise, ideate massively valuable new products, or execute them to market? Then contact us today at ideateandexecute.com and get started. Why listen to the past when you can listen to the future? Welcome to the Think Future Podcast, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on innovation, startups and the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. Here's your host. Hey, Jeff. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Very good, sir. How about yourself? I'm doing great. So uh, I hope you don't mind being a bit, a bit of a guinea pig. I'm actually testing out some new headphones today, see if they work. Cool. Uh, a lot of times when I'm uh, when I'm talking, when I'm doing my show, I get feedback from my speakers uh, into my mic- microphone. So I thought I'd try this and see how it works. Do I, do I sound okay? Sounds great. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Do you have a condenser? Do you have a condenser mic as well? Or yeah, I have one of these giant. Nice. Uh, blue snowball microphone. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, ha- I'm just decide whether I have it. Should have it in the shot so it looks more like radioy. Oh, yeah, you know, that's or, good. Uh, <laughs> or or leave it out of the shot so it looks less less radioy. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Let's leave it in the shot for today. How's that? Go nuts. Yeah, that's, uh, that's oh. pretty cool. <laughs> All right. So we should we just jump into it? If you'd like to, yeah. All right, cool. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization and uh, what you're passionate about? And we'll go from there. Sure. Uh, so so I'm the Senior Vice President of Strategic Development at Cornerstone. Uh, we've got three very unique and separate organizations that all work as one, and, and that's the Cornerstone uh, League, which is our trade association for credit unions in Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. And then we've mm-hmm. got Cornerstone Foundation, which is our a charitable arm that deals a lot with financial capability and well-being for uh, credit union team members, as well as disaster relief. Um, unfortunately, living where we live, that that kind of stuff happens every 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 year, really. So, um, we we give quite a few grants um, after hurricanes and tornadoes, and uh, to help credit unions and their employees get back on their feet. Um, so, there's a whole program around that, uh, and and of course. Uh, giving uh, related to that as well. Uh, And then our for-profit wing, which is uh, Cornerstone Resources. So that's a lot of our fee-based consultative type services. Um, It also, we're we're chiefly responsible for investments um, and and bringing along new companies into the credit union industry um, to help serve our financial partners. Very, very cool. Very cool. So, So tell me what you're passionate about. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, uh, right right now today, I'm passionate about NHL trade trade deadline. <laughs> I'm a big hockey fan. Wait, that's um, that's still happening. That's still yeah, happening. I, I was so disconnected from any kind of professional sports now because I mean I used to be a huge huge hockey fan, right? I, my the Leafs were my team, and sure. they, they always sucked. And then I asked my Alexa the other day. I said, "Where are the Leafs? Are the Leafs in the playoffs?" And she goes, "Yeah, the Leafs Leafs are in the playoffs." And I'm like, "What?" There's still playoffs. What's going yeah. on? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a crazy couple of seasons with uh, with with the COVID um, uh, pandemic going on and whatnot, and then of course different 
different guidelines between Canada and the United States on, on quarantining and that. So it's been yeah. very interesting this year with, with uh, just how they've set up the league and whatnot and all the rivalries actually kind of fired up. So, so yeah, we've been we a bunch of buddies and I have been very passionate about that, but um, <laughs> from a professional perspective, um, uh, certainly passionate. Wait a minute, about- wait a minute. Just before we go into that, <laughs> yeah. they, is it true that they reorganized the conferences and now yeah. all of Canada is in the Northern conference? Yeah. Yeah, that, absolutely. Exactly <laughs> yep. Yep. So, so we've got the, uh, I'm sure it's not the Labatt blue conference, but it's, it's the Northern <laughs> conference. Um, yeah, <laughs> the Sleeman's conference. Right. And then, um, <laughs> and then all the East coast teams and the central and the West. And, and it's just, it's been very, very interesting. And I'm originally from Minnesota. So uh, okay. Northern Minnesota, I grew up about an hour South of, uh, Thunder Bay and Fort Francis and, and the Ontario border. So, Oh, nice. Yeah. So <laughs> close cousins. There you you ever, <laughs> did you ever sneak across the border for anything? Well, there's nothing on Canada, Canadian side. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> well, back before, you know, passports were required, we actually used to play uh, Fort Francis quite frequently for high school sports. Um, oh, no way. And, and then International Falls was in our conference even. So, and that's just right across the, of course, the river. Um, and cool. and uh, there was one time I, I ran across the boarding border singing God Bless America. <laughs> <laughs> and they wouldn't let me back into the United States on the other side until I sang uh, Oh Canada, which which I, I did very well. So. I love it. Yeah, I can't do that anymore, but that was, yeah. No. <laughs> Those were the days. Sorry, I didn't, yeah. mean to, didn't mean to interrupt you, but. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. That's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, so growing growing up was really you know uh, one of, one of the biggest things um, I experienced growing up. I think this is where I kind of got a lot of the passion from. Is we were a very heavy mining area, right? Lots of iron ore mines and um, you know, pipelines and, and lots of uh, uh, trains and shipping and all that kind of stuff. Everything's related to the mining industry um, and those industries that supported that and and. Um, saw very a lot of economic booms and busts uh, through that whole that whole process of, of steel making right. and, and selling. Um, and, and so diversification specifically in, in what we bring to our credit union partners as well as just other uh, industry partners is really important to me. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then applying that that cooperative model to things. So uh, in my humble opinion, um, <laughs> I, I think the cooperative model, the, dem, the, democ- the democracy, democratization, excuse me, right, um, of, of basically um, what well, different, different different businesses can can really be applied, and I, I think it makes it better for the consumer as well as the workers. Um, uh, volunteer boards instead of paid boards. And I know um, this might not be even the right audience to pontificate about this, but at the same time, um, I, I would earnestly um, uh, uh, you know, tell folks in the startup industry to really look into um, the cooperative industry and, and how they can right. utilize um, cooperatives, if nothing else, just for feedback and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Because the focus isn't always on profit, right? Um, and always on revenue, uh, you can get a lot of great kind of unfettered feedback about what's going on with your business. I just think of you know that that industry, the cooperative principles, I should say, have been applied to many industries: financial, of course, uh, utilities. Um, you know, specifically with utilities down here. I live in Texas now, 
um, we had that massive, um, well, for us, massive snowstorm, uh, and then it got all cold and we lost power yeah, that was, that for about a week. And that was totally insane. I couldn't was, believe that. It was that. nuts. But, and, and you hear these horror stories about people who have aligned themselves with for-profit electric companies uh, getting, you know, $1,000 electric bills a month and all that kind of stuff. Well, my electric cooperative decided to not pass those increases on to their members. Um, so nice. they, they deployed their own capital to help save their members, right? So, um, and I, I think that that's just a, a quick, you know, like little snippet of what cooperatives can really do to help improve what we consider the member owner experience, right? Um, and then also, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's interesting you should mention that because this is like the fourth or fifth time I've had somebody from some type of the cooperative uh organizational structure on the show. And it always sounds really, really compelling. And I'm wondering why more people don't do it. I mean, what, what is, what's stopping people other than, I mean, other than the profit motive, I guess, I guess that's, that's the overriding thing. I mean, what's stopping people from doing more of these things? Uh, I I don't think we do a very good job of talking about ourselves, first of all, Um, you know, and, and, and that, that sort of thing. And, and there's not, really a great centralized, you know, they don't teach you necessarily cooperatives a lot in like business school, right? So it's the motive uh, for, for, for profit and, and of course, um, uh, residual uh, income and that kind of thing from being on boards of, of, of corporations and that kind of thing. That's, that's a whole other thing, I guess. Um, one of the things that is really, uh, I don't want to say it's taken away from cooperatives, I think it's a great um, uh, a, a additive kind of a thing for for the for-profit side is the B Corp or the Benefit Corporation, right? So um, right. there's a lot of financial- Companies like Etsy, Etsy or et- companies absolutely. like Etsy are doing that right now. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, there's a banking uh, group in Minnesota that went to that a few years back, uh, the Sunshine Banks. And um, they, they do a lot of really great things with uh, community reinvestment, um, you know, and you, uh, especially in the business community. Uh, so, so that's, I think there's, there's different ways to go about it. My bias is to the, the cooperative model, um, mainly because you get people too that are, are in it for the right reasons, right? You get the volunteer board members who actually take and use your services rather than maybe somebody from an outside board that's really looking for a payday. Um, so um, that's just humble opinion and I know I'm biased, but at the same time, that's, that's something I've even really liked, they've applied it to breweries. <laughs> <laughs> myself <laughs> well you can apply it for it to anything really yeah, I mean, absolutely housing model, all that yep yeah, is there absolutely. any business model that it can't apply to it seems to me that there's no reason why we can't have co-ops for for everything yeah absolutely um and and so that's it's just it takes a a, 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 a you know a big effort and concern by um the users of that product. And then of course, I'd say a great leap of faith from the, the owner or the business, like the actual business that's doing it to say, yeah, I might forego some profits here, but I'm going for stability and, and of course, um, longevity rather than just trying to, to, to flip it and then go on to the next thing. So that's, that's right. certainly so, something I'm passionate about. So, <laughs> so if, if, if we were thinking about, let's say I'm a startup founder and I'm thinking, oh, maybe I can think about using this model for what I'm doing, how would, how would I go about doing it? I mean, I would have no idea how to set something like this up. I mean, do you just sort of like write up a bunch of articles and say, hey, we're a co-op or how, how does it work? Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll talk to it specifically from the credit union industry, just because I, I know that one pretty well. Um, so within the credit union space, there's these things called um, uh, 
uh, QSOs or credit union supported organizations. Um, so no, no credit union is really big enough to say, do a lot of the things that a, at a, a Chase or a Wells Fargo or a city, like a multinational type bank is doing. Um, so we band together and we invest in businesses in a cooperative fashion um, and, uh, and then reinvest the profits from that business back into the business and of course to the users to discount the service fees and that kind of thing. So um, we do that quite, a, quite often with, with uh, fintech type providers um, who might be looking at say uh, the credit union industry as, as a, um, a viable option to deploy their product into that marketplace. Um, and they'll come to us and say, hey, we, we really want to be in the credit union space. Uh, we move quickly as credit unions. There's, there's not the seven layer cake, generally speaking, of, of, of governance and approval and, and all that kind of thing. And, and uh, there's a lot of credit unions out there who love to be cutting edge as well. Um, uh, Digital Federal, for example, out of Boston even has their own incubator um for for fintech companies and, and that kind of thing nice. partnership with mit yeah so so i mean they, there's they've really got done some some great progressive things um uh, so so um what, what we do then is say you know for example and you can put them together however you want but um that qso for example would be responsible for the deployment of that product or service within the credit union market space and maybe we take a seat on your board um, in that particular scenario, if you didn't want to make the whole company into a cooperative, and there's a lot of uh, folks out there that don't, because it's it's it certainly I would say lessens the the return on that investment for them, um, and I totally get that because it would, you know, I, I also work for a for-profit entity, and, and that's something that you have to be paying attention to because the board is that's for sure. So, <laughs> um, but ultimately, um, that's that's one way that that we've helped. Uh, a bunch of, of uh, fintech players come into the credit union space uh, with credit union funds to, um, to to use in whether it's a seed round or a Series A funding kind of thing, uh, and then they've got the knowledge and the partnerships and the relationships that we would bring from the from the QSO side. So that, that's an interesting question. You mentioned governance, which uh, I think is like the key the key thing here. How do the how do these how do, how do you how do you govern when when new things are going to happen? I mean, do you need a subset of the members to agree to it, or is there a board, or how does that work? Yeah, generally speaking, I, I've found them to work very similar to to for profit entities um, or, or corporation boards. The members elect them, um, just like a shareholder would, right? right. Um, a lot of times they're volunteer, uh, so they don't have a lot of compensation, uh, maybe a per diem for meetings or if there's travel costs, that kind of thing will get covered. But there's not, you know, like a, a salary per se attached to that position. It's not compensated um, by, by, say, the, 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 like the actual earnings of that financial or, or that company. Um, but uh, that then those 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 revenues, that, that income would be then dispersed back into the system in some way, shape or form whether it's to the, the members as discounted, like we can discount those services that they've, they've purchased into. Or, um, so say for example, there's a, um, a program that is specifically for fraud and call centers, a voice authentication software. Um, so every single you know, time somebody calls into the credit union and that authentication software runs, 
it might be a you know it, it's less than this, but this for ease of math, <laughs> it's a ten cent charge on that call, right? Um, the the credit union who also might be an investor in that knows that three percent of that is actually getting rebated to them because they're a member of the cooperative QSO that's been set up, um, right. and then the rest of it goes back into the entity to then build capital for the for profit so that they can make the system better. Um, so there's yeah so there's there's lots of different ways you can set it up. There's really no limitation but that's that's one that's been been working really well because we know that the product is is solid it's supported moving into the future as well um we have a seat at the table as as being a a, a shareholder in the in the for-profit entity um and then our credit unions are happy because they get rebated services but it, it sounds really complicated though is it uh <laughs> Because you're making me, you make me think, oh my god, is getting like I want to use this model, people. but uh, it's it's what, so foreign yeah. to what I'm what I'm used to. What's, what's complicated is getting um, you know uh, a bunch of people to agree that hey, this is a good idea to do it. So so that's <laughs> that's, that's that's normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, um, uh, and and of course, getting getting the the business owner to agree as well too that hey, this is a good way forward. So. Um, from that point, I mean, if you've got a good good environment where where um, you can then there's you know specific law firms that we deal with that are are based in that queue, so they they they're, that's all they do is is that those kinds of setups. Um, so we work with those folks and and they draw up the agreement, so it's you know amicable across the board and and off we go. So. And that would work for, so tell me a little bit about this brewery, because I, I really want to hear your model that's not financial. Yeah, so <laughs> so I'm, I'm a member actually in Fair State, uh, Fair State uh, Cooperative, and it's a brewery in Minneapolis. Um, well, just outside of Minneapolis, but but uh, we'll, we'll call it Minneapolis for sake of, of positioning. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, the, um, so, so, you know, when they first started, um, they, they started up as a, as a for-profit entity and they just were having a really difficult time finding funding. Um, so uh, they, they got together some volunteers uh, to try to figure out how do we get people to, to help almost like crowdsource this funding, right? So almost like a GoFundMe for the brewery. Um, <clears throat> and, and ultimately um, they, they landed on, well, why don't we let each person buy a share of the brewery? Um, and that just let that, itself. That's allowed. Think. It's not. It's not a. It, it's not a legal thing, right? Because, I mean, prior to um, what was it? That it was some act that came out a little while back saying, you know, people who, because it used to be you weren't allowed to buy shares of these companies, right? I mean, you had to be a certain. You had to have a certain amount of money in the bank before they let you buy. Share. Is this right, not being right. not the same as being an investor? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I don't know specifically in, in, in if it's different in Minnesota or if if that was just the the business how um, they decided all of a sudden to to uh, to go in a not for profit status because um, that's the other thing it's a not it's not a non profit it's a not for profit uh, so still so you can still make profits but it's not yeah. the main source of survival I just want to make beer Absolutely. man I just want to yeah. I want to make beer that's, I want to drink that was beer. it they <laughs> wanted to make beer yep so. Um, and they were having difficulty getting loans and, and raising capital and all that kind of stuff. So they changed it into the actual not-for-profit status. Um, and that's where, where it kind of took off. And, and they've, I mean, I, I can't remember the last count, but it's well within like the 250, 300 like 
you know, distribution points within the metro and, wow. and Minnesota area. So it, it's and that's it, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, why, why not use this model for anything? I mean, if you think about it, it makes it makes a lot of sense. But do, do you have to start? I mean, it sounds like they had to transition to that because they were having trouble finding funding. But once they transitioned to this, it was a lot easier. It seemed like it for them. I mean, that was it was um, the first one in Minnesota. Anyway, I know that uh, from a from a, a brewery distillery kind of perspective, um, my my understanding of it is that it was it was pretty easy to to go into the uh, the not for profit status from a from a corporation and whatnot. It's just that you have to have um, you know good governance again from the board perspective and making sure that you set up a business plan that makes sense. Um, and then of course that with with the membership, right? You get discounts on you know, every beer you buy. You get a chance if they ever do decide to give a dividend back to the share uh, the shareholder, the member owner, um, mm-hmm. then then yeah, you have a chance to make a dividend. But generally, we we all vote to reinvest that in the business. So interesting. So this is not like sort of like your standard because there used to be that. I guess it was a federal thing where you couldn't invest in companies unless you were an accredited investor and you had to make over a million dollars a year or something like that. But this is something different, right? It's sort of like it's it's yeah, using yeah. kind of credit union same, same kind of principle as a credit union where you know we we had a credit union would treat you like warren buffett if you put five dollars in a in a savings account you know so that's you, you you essentially have a share of membership in that or ownership in that credit union um with with the the five bucks if you will so uh, the same idea at the brewery if if you you know purchased a a, a membership you have a share of ownership um and you're part of the member owner group um and off, off you went. So, so this, this is entire. It could be state based, right? So definitely in Minnesota for <laughs> sure. You can do. And I'm this. sorry, I don't, I don't know all the specifics legally, but, but um, I do have some really good lawyers. <laughs> Sounds like a great idea that. because, if, I mean, if you think about all the, all the GoFundMe's and the, and the Kickstarters and all that stuff that's out there, you know, I mean, I think it would be, it would be really cool if these companies could survive based on the funding of their members. Right. Yeah. So it's almost, it almost seems to me like something, maybe, maybe it's a legal thing, maybe a legality thing, maybe it's legal in Minnesota, but elsewhere I could, I could look into that, but I think it's a, it's a really good viable business model. I mean, for almost any startup, right? Because if, if you think about it, you do need that set of customers. They're going to be buying stuff from you and you want to stay afloat. I mean, if you think about it, not, not for, not for profit, uh, it doesn't mean you're not going to make money. It means you're still, you're still going to make money. You just, you know, it's in the support of the product and in support of your customers. And it, it's a great, it's a great collaborative model that I think is, it's, this is the model for today. I mean, and I'm surprised that not more companies are, are doing this sort of thing. Same, same here. Um, and it's a great question to dig into about why they're not. Um, and it's something I'm certainly going to take away from our conversation. So. Very cool. Well, I'm going to do some research on that, but <laughs> I want to talk about, uh, you mentioned something in your note about financial technology that enhances culture. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what exactly does that mean? I'm like, how, how can yeah. you do? How can you use uh, fintech to enhance culture? Uh, I, I want to hear more. Yeah. So, so um, uh, some some of the uh, the credit unions that we deal with as well have have a great um, cultural influence in which in some of the communities they serve. Right. Um, so uh, not only are they able to impact their internal culture, right, and and at the at the employee level and whatnot, but it can certainly 
help um, say uh, communities of new Americans um, who are coming mm -hmm. in or, or new Canadians for that matter, uh, really adopt and learn more about the banking system and how to acquire wealth and how to have a, you know, how a debit card works in this particular part of the world rather than the other one. And so, so there's, there's all sorts of, of FinTech out there that deal with financial capability and well-being. Um, mm -hmm. at, at many different demographic groups. So whether it's it's an adult learner, a, a teenage learner, a child learner, um, and, and then also uh, from a um, just the speed and the velocity of transferring money back and forth, um, that's, that's another thing that there's a lot of um, uh, fintech type startups, especially here in Texas, working on how do we, how do we help uh, folks who are coming here to work, transfer money back faster, safer, uh, more uh, in, a, in a frictionless manner, uh, especially Crypto, when it comes right? to... No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Well, I wish I would have invested in Bitcoin a few, a few months ago. <laughs> but uh, I remember I, remember yeah, I, I had to convince actually... my wife. I had to convince my wife to buy one when it was worth $300. She goes, ah, it's not going to be worth anything. And I said, well, it's $300. If, you know, if it's gone, it's gone. So, and now I'm like, yes, I should have bought more, but uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hindsight I, is 2020, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, um, well, certainly, certainly, I was going to say certainly the, the software and the principles behind it, right. The, the blockchain op, op, operations and, and using that kind of uh, modality to, to, um, identify and making sure that the money's going to the right place and whatnot. So I think, um, there's just all kinds of opportunities there to uh, help demystify things um, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and that's one of the things I meant by, by having um, a good cultural impact on, on how, we, how we deal with each other in a, in a financial way, in a transparent and, and frictionless environment. So are you talking about, I mean, from a strategy perspective, are you talking about just building apps and things that will allow you to talk to underserved populations or is it more of a, is it a higher level strategy than that? Yeah, so a uh, great question. Um, the uh, kind of both actually, but the, mm -hmm. so there's, there's the financial well-being part of it, but also making sure that you have, have access to funds when you need them. Um, as well as just a, a, a real good line of sight into where the money is in process. Um, so there's ways that you know, businesses can actually uh, deploy um, you know, payroll systems that feed into uh, banking applications that feed into the checking account and debit card and that kind of thing and, and do that in a very safe and, and concise manner. Um, some of my favorite applications of, of, of uh, I guess you could say fintech translation of old processes <laughs> is in mm -hmm. the lending realm um, mm -hmm. where uh, a lot of credit unions have started to adopt uh, micro lending or secured based lending or just even credit building lending um, to help folks get established um, with, with some kind of track record so that they can uh, drive a good credit score and a good credit history through, um, through those kinds of, of, of things. Um, it's it's one of those where I don't, this is again, my humble opinion, I don't think we do a really great job of teaching that kind of thing in, in schools. Um, yeah. and, and you mean really, financial uh, literacy in general? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So specifically in the credit union world, we see a lot of folks coming to us that 
might have have had some damage done um, or just don't proper know how to use proper you know uh, financial skills in a, in a good way yeah. that's going to help build them up uh, with with uh, well in a way that they can acquire more um, and build wealth um, that, that can then be yeah. transferable to next generations in that. Um, so, so realistically, like what we're what we're trying to accomplish with some of the um, uh, the, the the newer um, fintechs within the credit union space is how do we graduate folks into uh, different stages of their their journey, right? Um, so, going from really basic kinds of things like okay, we'll we'll develop an app, and, and this one's um, being worked on right now. Uh, by um, uh, a company in Chicago uh, that we've got some some investment in is uh, how do we how do we essentially use AI to learn your budget right hmm. and learn when you have payments coming in and when you have uh, you know money going out to pay bills and when you have uh, direct deposits and that kind of thing and the and the system will actually help coach you through like hey you shouldn't, you know, spend that extra 1250 on Starbucks today because um, you're not going to have enough money by the end of the week to pay this bill, you know, so it can, it can do some, some automated coaching kinds of things that way to where, um, you know, you can also set up goals and, and that kind of thing for whether it's investing or building savings for, um, for buying a, a, a house or a car or anything like that. So, um, so leveraging some of those kinds of uh, newer tech to help folks on their on their financial journey. Very cool. So does that thing can actually detect if you're heading towards a Starbucks and say, "Hey, stop"? <laughs> <laughs> we haven't necessarily put in the geofencing yet, but that's, I'm sure we could. Um, but yeah, it's 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 one of those things where. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I never thought of that actually, <laughs> but that would help me. Um, so, so I'll, I'll honestly though, one, one of the, the, uh, one of the bigger things too, is just transparency and pricing. So, um, making sure that our, our members have, um, really good data to make good financial decisions as well. So, yeah. you know, linking in with, um, uh, different like automated valuation services, um, uh, for, you know, when, when I'm out there looking at, at buying a home or, <laughs> uh, whatnot, right. before you go into that house, you can look up on your credit union's website. Well, what, what are the, the top three AVMs in the industry say this house is actually worth based on, you know, the, the that kind of thing. So it, right. it certainly can help our consumers, our members make better decisions financially. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's huge gaps in financial literacy, all across the board. I mean, this is stuff that should be taught in school everywhere, and it's it's just not. And it, and it, it, unfortunately, it sort of falls on on you know your behalf to actually do something about it. But a lot of financial institutions they don't care, right? They're like, oh, you lost your job, I, you know, come back to me when you have money. <laughs> is that is that part of being a CU, or is that just just what you guys do? Yeah. So from a credit union perspective, I know our our folks. Um, well, just even regulatorily speaking, we have some more wiggle um, and, and the ability to help folks out from a from a, that kind of perspective. Um, right. But the 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 big thing specifically around your we lost the job or or just I don't have a traditional job. That's stuff that I think our industry is still really trying to come to grips with. 
So oh, yeah. how do we? If how you don't do have we, a W two. It doesn't know what to do with you. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. And now, <laughs> now even I think we're we're changing ten ninety nine type type uh, rules and that kind of thing. So um, it's it's really tough for 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 not just credit unions but even large banks to try to figure out okay how do we leverage data and and not necessarily what you'd call uh, traditional data. Um, to lend smarter to folks who might be working in the gig economy. So, um, yeah, that's that's a really big um, issue that I, I don't think we've had a chance to solve yet. So um, I know that's we're, we've we've got some education content coming up uh, on that, and, <laughs> and some some futurist type type speakers doing that. But ultimately, nice. goodness, it's um, it's going to take a uh, certainly a different eye, a different look at how we do risk analysis as well as what other types of data can we leverage to not only uh, lend but lend consistently and fairly yeah there's probably all sorts of lending you could be doing that you're not doing because people just fall through the filters right they say Correct. oh you don't have you know x amount of or you don't have w2s for this this number of years or you don't have this amount or you have this much gig gig income you know your bank account might be full but you know you, you don't have you know income you know, guaranteed W-2 style income coming in. So, you, you know, you've got people falling through the cracks you could be lending to. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so that's, I know, um, one of the big, just one of the big problems that our industry is going to try to tackle here in the next couple of years. Awesome. Well, when are we going to get to the point where you actually have your social, uh, <laughs> not a social credit score, but like, uh, you're, you, you know, everything outside of finances, because I think that's what the financial services industry is like looking, they always look at financial indicators to determine somebody's credit worthiness, right? When are they going to look outside of financial indicators to to indicate those things? Well, right now, actually, um, there's a couple oh, really? of, oh, cool. there's a couple of fintechs within our industry that are um, even going back into like uh, sourcing college transcripts <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> yeah, nice. which Hopefully they're not going to go after mine, but the, um, I really hope that in, in trying to figure out, we're working a lot with, with um, alternative sources of data. And then we have to, before it's ever deployed, we have to figure out, okay, how can we use this in a fair and consistent manner? Um, Cause that's the biggest thing is, is, and I know uh, right at the heart of credit unions, right. Is to advocate for um, the, the every, every man, if you will, the every human. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um it's it's uh, we want to be able to make sure that we're we're serving our, our our employee groups, our communities in a way that makes sense, and we want to do it fairly and 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 consistently. So um, there's there's a lot of groups out there right now looking at yeah the social score, the uh, putting together of a of a college transcript with your uh, LinkedIn history and all that yeah. all the kind of different stuff that that you can bring in right. Um, uh, or, or even just dif different um, uh, indicators that we can look at from a credit uh, database. So not just the traditional uh, Fair Isaac, the FICO, right? Um, but looking at, at what other scores can we put together from some of the data that's already on there, uh, more looking at history rather than just types of credit and all that. So uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting kind of dive into for, for kind of an old timey industry, right? I mean, it's it, credit unions yeah. have been around for um, almost 100 years now uh, and, and that yeah. sort of thing. So at least in, in the United States, I mean, they've been a lot, a lot longer elsewhere. Um, 
And, and uh, I, I love to see us uh, trying to figure things out for our members in a, in a good, consistent, and fair manner um, using really kind of cutting edge stuff. So, Fantastic. Fantastic. So when are we going to get to the point where um, you're going to be able to, so you're saying that right now you can look at non-financial data to determine sort of like a, not my FICO, but some other credit score that you guys use yourselves to make decisions? Yeah. So it, it, what I don't know of anybody who's currently using this. I want to be sure I say that because if a regulator sees this, I, want, I don't, I don't know if anybody is actually deploying it. I know that there's companies working on it and trying to figure out how do we, how do we work with regulators to make sure that it's, it's copacetic as well. Um, yeah. But the, um, uh, there have been credit unions and, and other uh, uh, like uh, finance companies who have tried, have made, essentially a, a member index score, right? So they look at history of membership and what kind of product subset you have and their performance, your performance with that particular credit union or finance company um, to, to really kind of balance out the, you didn't hit this score, but you've been awesome with us or you've got a great story and we wanna help you establish this business um, because we think it's, it's the perfect thing for our area, but you know, it might not work in Austin, but it works in Dallas or so, yeah. so there's, there's certainly some, some organizations that are, are working on, on that as well. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So let's, let's <laughs> it's think like a futurist time. So it's the year 2031, 10 years in the future. Uh, what will your industry be like? What will, what, what kind of things can we see, will we see out of your industry? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and, um, you know, reflecting on on some of the things that I've I've heard and been working on as well is I would say, um, so we're gonna have you know knock on wood hopefully I was promised a jetpack at this point <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we will have we'll have some some driverless vehicles right some autonomous vehicles and whatnot you can have a strap on <laughs> drone package really. there like, you, you go just... yeah that's good so so but, <laughs> but we'll probably have. Um, you know, uh, because right now auto lending and, and lending on personal vehicles is kind of what credit unions are known for, right? right. Um, that's one of their, their biggest um, uh, interest generators as well. So um, we're going to have to figure out what replaces that. And and I see us- Yeah, auto lending is going away, right? I mean- Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, you'll be able to, you know, push a button and you'll have a car waiting for you right here. That'd be awesome. Uh, I don't think that's cool. So, but it's going to certainly put a hamper on, on credit unions, um, not for profit, also not for losses status. Right. So, right. so we're going to have to figure out ways on how to replace that. And, I, you know, looking at, at um, the real estate industry in, in general, I think there's a long way for us to go and, um, and, and, and really, uh, working specifically on, on the whole transaction. Um, so whether that's educating our members on what house to buy um, and getting them prepared to, to even get to that point and then taking them through that mortgage process, um, no matter where they're coming from or if they're a freelancer, if they're a business owner, if they're um, W-2, if we even have them at that point, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, uh, and, and being able to help serve them by using sources of alternative data as well as a, a mixture of credit scores and that kind of thing. So I, I really feel like that's an area for us to, 
to, to really help the consumer out. And, um, and owning a home is a great way to create generational wealth as well. So, yeah. so I feel like that's, that's one of the ways where we can kind of differentiate um, uh, in, in the next, say, 10, 15 years is, is really kind of being the, the league leader in that. Um, lastly, I, I think one of the, the most um, pivotal things for credit unions to, to, to kind of rally around is how do we make good investments into, as a system, into things that are going to democratize money more um, mm. and, and really um, help level the playing field when it comes to uh, the wealth gap and that kind of thing, which you might say, well, what, how right. do credit unions help there? Well, first of all, it's, it's, you know, having access to more AI driven like uh, uh, investment guides and having um, a, a better look at to, into how you're budgeting, where your money's going, um, and then layering on services on top of that to help help you unsubscribe from that third Netflix subscription you didn't need <laughs> um, and, and that kind of thing. So, so really, um, instead of... Um, you know, retraining everybody. It's kind of a, a learn as you go and a pick your own adventure uh, kind of book. <laughs> so if you're going to the woods, turn to page 33. If you're going to the sea, turn to page 50. But you, you, you some, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, you have some choices to make, but you do them in an informed, data-driven manner uh, as a consumer. And, and we were able to bring that level of transparency to our, our, our member owners. I think that's really... Um, uh, the, 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 the two big things. And then lastly, um, we're going to have to, as a, as a, not just, a, uh, a, an industry, I would say as credit unions, but financials in general, as well as retailers and, and, um, Amazon and, and yeah. you know, uh, Microsoft, we're going to have to deal with fraud at some point, right. And yeah. try to figure out equitable solutions on how to help consumers and protect consumers from fraud. Um, and protect all of our data from that as well, too. Um, that is just going to increase. Every time that we do something, it seems that the, the fraudster is two to three steps ahead of us. And it's it's we're at some point going to have to solve this as a society, if you will, yeah. um, and, and make sure that people feel safe even giving us that information so that we can help them with AI, right? So, yeah. um, so that's, that's, a, that's a big thing where I think we'll be able to um, uh, you know, in, in say 15 years, catch up as long as there's a concerted effort nationally, internationally around how we deal with that. I hope so. That'd be, that'd be nice to see, but I like, I like what you're saying with the, when it comes to sort of going beyond the financial services thing, because so many banks and financial institutions are just like, like, okay, this is all we do. We work on money. We, we handle money. And, you know, you know, you do your thing and we'll handle the money. And it's like, no, 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 you know, you have to help. You have to help your, your customers yeah. if they're, you know, if they're in a, in a situation, right? It's like we were talking about before with those uh, gig workers who've got a lot of money one month and less the next month and, you know, rent's got to be paid. So you've got to figure out some way of sort of leveling things out or, you know, some other, some, something, something that goes beyond just being a passive financial institution, something more, more along the lines of, you know, what do you need? How can I help? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and even then um, I would say, take it one step further of, of 
not even needing to ask them what they need, just understanding yeah. based on the history and, and uh, data aggregation of, we know you need this. <laughs> here's <Yeah. laughs> here's a suggestion, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. Um, <laughs> or, uh, you know, we know you're going to have a quiet month. So we automatically lent you like, you know, the however much money you need to cover your rent. So absolutely. thank us later. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that predictive, um, the, the the predictive and almost prescriptive in a way, kind of kind of way of, of doing business. I think absolutely, I agree with you. Um, that's where we need to get to. So another thing I want to ask you. Uh, so a lot of your members have they have their own money, but they can't really lend to each other. I mean, have you guys ever thought about anything kind of sort of peer to peer lending within the organization, or is that like something that's strictly not allowed uh, due to banking laws or whatever? Yeah, so there's a lot of regulation around that, um, and and ultimately, um, that's I, I I get where you're going with that because I, I I agree. Um, there are some organizations set up like that, like like Lending Club, um, for example, yep. and I think maybe Prosper does something like that as well. Um, so some of the more of the fintech challenger banks, as we like to call them, are are are, are in that kind of game. Um, and the way they work it is more of like, hey, give us X, we'll give you Y return, and then we're going to go out and, and, and give it to them, which is essentially yeah, what credit yeah. unions have been doing since the mid-1930s, right? We say, right. Uh, give us $10,000 we'll, we'll, you know, for 60 months, we'll give you, you know, 3% interest rate on a CD, um, and then we go and turn around and lend that money out for 4% uh, to, to somebody for a 60-month car loan. So essentially, yep. that, that's what credit unions do. We don't have alternative sources of capital, uh, really. Yeah. Um, they're, they're kind of. So you you, you already stuff. do peer to peer lending. We're, we're like the original peer to peer lenders. Yeah, actually. <laughs> so, but but ultimately, yeah, you're you're right. I wish there was a way that we could do that more directly, especially in times of need. Um, so for natural disasters, for example, or um, massive recessions, which um, you know, if you, I think, talk to some folks, that are going to get more wild. Um, the deeps will be deeper and the highs will be higher and that kind of thing. And, um, but it would be great to have some sort of uh, mechanism for members to lend other members money at a better rate that they could get at the credit union, for example. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I'd love to be able to go into my account and have a little slider, which says, yeah. okay, <laughs> at, you know, let's slide like anything below this amount I need to keep in my account, but anything above that amount is your free lend to others for, you know, for whatever yeah, they need. That's an excellent idea. That. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, yeah. So, so it, and, you know, that's, I think too, that's where some of the credit unions are really getting into more of, of the foundations of the charitable side of things. I know we're not for profit, so we don't necessarily pay income taxes and that kind of thing. And because we're reinvesting in the business. Um, but a lot of the credit unions are, in, are turning some of those profits back into their foundations as well so that they can really help the members out in times of need, like a natural disaster um, or, or a, uh, a, a significant economic downturn or a, a strike from a union or something like that. So Yeah. Well, you know, um, there's no such thing as a steady state anymore. So we're just in a constant state of disruption. <laughs> it's just going to yes, keep sir. on going, on going. Yes, sir. <laughs> <Never> <laughs> ends. <laughs> All right. This has been fantastic. Thanks so much. It's very interesting. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Yeah. I, feel free to li- reach out on LinkedIn. Um, Jeff Philippich and P-H-I-L-L-I-P-I-C-H. So okay. fill up with an I-C-H at the end. And then also um, never hesitate to reach out to, to my Cornerstone um, email address, which is uh, jphilippich at cornerstoneleague.coop.
Okay. So, I'll put all this stuff in the, in the show notes and if someone will get in touch with you, that's the way to do it. You send me your bio and all that stuff and I'll get it in there. Well, thanks so much. Sarah, it was great talking with you. Yeah. (laughs) Talk to you later. Bye.